Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, associate producer and Starista's creative copy manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ catch up with Doug Kazmarek, Chief Data Officer at Moore. He explores his work as a data scientist before it was called being a quote unquote data scientist. He also discusses Simeo Cloud and how the company leverages consumer data for the nonprofit sector. AJ feels a little more normal and Vincent is worried about being called interim GM. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an episode of The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent Petrofessa the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships, Interim GM of Access B2B. That's a funny joke. We'll talk about that later um, with my co-host, AJ. But it is so awesome to be here. Starista, let's get who we are out of the way really quick. We are an identity marketing company. We have our own B2B data, our own B2C data. Companies utilize us to get new customers. Who doesn't want new customers? We also own our own DSP called Adster, so we can execute that media for you. Connected TV, OTT, that's enough of the acronyms. So great to be here. I'm very excited about this episode uh, for a number of reasons, but I'm also excited for my co-host, ladies and gentlemen, San Antonio's own, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's up, AJ? Vincent, for the first time on the podcast, I can say uh, it was good seeing you yesterday. I know. Got to, you know, hang with with AJ and a few other people, met new people uh, over a year. You see me yeah. all the time. You hear certainly hear from me all the time. I know you're, you were tired of doing that. So uh, <laughs> what's more annoying than hearing and, and seeing me on video? I guess seeing me in person. Yeah, it was just good to have uh, some normalcy back in life, even if I had to see you in person. But, exactly. Uh, see, I, I took one for the team. You did. You know, that's what a lot of people say. My wife said the same thing for seven years now. <laughs> she, uh, but yeah, no, it was good. Good to see uh, people, and good normalcy is returning. This podcast, we are in June. It'll come out in June esque July, but normalcy is returning. It's uh, it's great. But uh, interim GM, did you like that comment, AJ? (laughs) A recent article came out and it was funny because we've just launched our new Access B2B division, which is all of our B2B data that I, of course, am very involved in. But it's so funny that the article that interviewed you described me as the interim GM of the whole thing. And I was like, oh, geez, interim GM. I said, if anyone out there knows sports, the interim anything rarely gets the uh, you know the job so but it's cool being interim gm for a, a few days yeah tell you what you can be gm of podcasts all right i'll take it you see you know how to make me feel better that's really <laughs> uh that's really what, what happens you know you know you see yo you know me a long time it's uh i just need a gm title somehow so i like it but aj let me tell you why i love this next guest. Let me know. Let me tell you why this is the first. This is a first for the marketing stir. I'll tell you why. This is the first time we've come full circle, not with the same guest, but with the same company. And I'll tell you why. So our very first episode was with the CEO of More, Gretchen Littlefield. If you remember that episode, that was not video. That was like, hey, 
let's just put this podcast together and, and get on an amazing guest and a great company and let's see what happens. And then we were talking to this next gentleman who's the chief data officer of that company. And we said, you know, this would be great to have him on too, you know? And what well, we said, well, we can't do it back to back, but let's see if this little podcast of ours has any legs. You know what? Give us some time and then we'll, you know, we would love to have you on if we, if we get to that. And we did. We're a person of our word. He's a person of his, her, of his word as well. And he's on the podcast. He's a friend of Starista. We like dealing with him. I like dealing with him. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Marketing Stir, the Chief Data Officer of More, Doug Kazmarek. What's going on, Doug? Hey, Vincent. Thank you. Very great to be here. Great that I could bring it full circle back to More. I love it. I love it. And it's one of those things, you know, I, you saw the vision, I guess, Doug, I didn't have the vision. I was like, oh, we're going to do like six episodes of this. And then AJ's going to get tired of hearing my voice. And, you know, 78 episodes in um, and still like we wanted to have you on because, A, you believed in us, but Moore's doing some great things, first of all. What a difference a year makes. Always been doing some great things, but, you know, I've seen some great news out there uh, with Simeo Cloud, the new division. I'll talk about that with some of the acquisitions that have just been uh, taking place and just the nonprofit world that you service. So we wanted to get to that, but we just like talking to you in general, Doug. So uh, it, it is great to, to have you back here. So for those of the people who don't know you, don't know more, maybe they discovered the podcast later than the first episode. Talk to us about more. Talk to us then about your role within more. Sure. Uh, so more is a uh, fantastic family of companies that primarily serves the entire uh, nonprofit uh, industry and vertical. Um, everything from print production and envelope production to agency work, creative work, list planning. Uh, we have a brokerage company, uh, you know, media companies that are buying digital media. Uh, and then uh, the, the areas where, where I'm responsible, uh, CRM and consumer data. So a couple of different companies that are managing databases for clients, doing merge purge work. Uh, so that's Aegis Premier Technology, that's Emergent. And then the consumer data company uh, that we built internally uh, is called Simeo Cloud, as you referenced it. Uh, so, those, so those kind of three entities that are dealing with data and data at the consumer level in different ways with different products and services uh, to help support nonprofit organizations build, build their, their business and build their foundations. Yeah, now more important than ever, a lot of the nonprofits out there working hard to still raise funds. A lot of that landscape has changed you know, a lot of the in-person, I remember the walks and all that uh, going on. So I'd love it. We're going to, we'll get to that soon, but I always like to follow up with this question is like, how'd you get into data? How, chief, you know, chief data officer. Uh, it's one of those very important titles. It's one of those very important roles. But if you go back 10 years ago, Doug, I don't think that title was even around. So t tell me about how you got into this business and, and why data? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it goes all the way back, right? So uh, being very good at math and, and sciences and all that stuff way back. 
and all the way back to uh, grad school and getting a, a master's in applied statistics. And what in the heck am I going to do with this for work, right? <laughs> Predictive analytics. And I had a, a job opportunity with uh, Abbott Labs, uh, you know, doing pharmaceutical type of statistics or with Sears and Roebuck in Chicago and doing kind of marketing statistics. So uh, back then we were called analysts or statisticians and that sexy title of data scientist didn't come along for decades. Uh, <laughs> decades later. Uh, so I've been doing it my whole career since the 90s uh, and started off building predictive solutions to target the Sears credit card customers with, with either catalogs or offers for uh, credit card protection or the pet club or the Allstate Motor Club, all that kind of great stuff back in the day. Um, and so as a practitioner, as a, as a guy that was in the weeds building models and coding and programming, uh, you know, the technology's changed over the years, and obviously the, the titles have changed, um, but the concepts are still the same. It's making predictions around what people are going to do when presented with a marketing offer or a fundraising officer, and how do you use data uh, to make those decisions. Um, the techniques are certainly way more sophisticated with machine learning and AI, um, but all those concepts are the, are the same, and now I'm, I'm doing it from the business perspective of pulling together the, the data, the, the data engineers, the data scientists, and the folks to help sell those products. Uh, and that's what the Simio Cloud business is all about. Nice. Yeah, you, were, you were cool before it was cool to be uh, in data. I, I like <laughs> yeah. it. Not so much. <laughs> the, ner the nerds back in the day and, and really uh, still nerdy like now, but uh, um, certainly people think about data scientists different in today's world. And so that is kind of cool. Yeah, I think so. Go ahead, AJ. Doug, we've heard about the uh, Simio Cloud. Would love to learn a little bit more about that. Sure. Uh, so Simio Cloud, uh, we started the business uh, about a year and a half ago. And at first, we were just uh, internally focused. Uh, one of the what great things, you know, you, you mentioned Gretchen Littlefield uh, when she came on as CEO of Moore. Uh, so many of these great companies within Moore. Uh, but they weren't connected with data and they weren't connected with data science. And so the vision was to build an internal data company um, where we could kind of utilize data and data science across those business units more effectively. So we, we started that company with exactly that vision. How do, we, how do we use consumer data, whether it's just, you know, appending raw data like email addresses and phone numbers and demographics to to uh, a, a um, nonprofit organization's data file that we manage for them or that our agency does work for them uh, so that they can you know, build better creative, do better targeting. Uh, so Simio Cloud was all about that internal usage first. How do, we, how do we get our agencies more empowered with data? How can we leverage data into our print shops more effectively? Uh, and then over time, as we license more data, and we started thinking about it a little bit more. We decided to go more public with it. And last fall, we, we launched a product called Simio Audience, with it, which is a cooperative database product that can be consumed by the industry directly to Simio Cloud, um, as well as our internal sister clients can use it as well, of course. Uh, so how do we, how do we help uh, organizations grow their donor base by acquiring new donors um, using predictive modeling. That's the big, big first product. And then the next big product is what we call Simio Journey, 
which is now that you've got a donor, how can you make better decisions? How can you uh, identify those donors on your file that might give you a major gift or become a sustainer and sign up for that credit card gift once a month for 50 bucks or 100 bucks? Uh, so all, all of the movement kind of through the value pyramid, if you will, uh, you know, that's, that's what Simeo Journey and that's what Simeo Audience is all about. And Doug, how did the pandemic affect the many nonprofit organizations that you guys work with and how have they been utilizing more during this time? Yeah, it's been, it's been super interesting, right? So when we were coming up to speed with a lot of our products and services, the pandemic hit. Um, from a modeling and data point of view, I mean, there's just been widespread kind of uh, impact across the organizations that we serve, some in, in very negative ways. You know, Vincent mentioned earlier, like, the, you know, walks and fun runs and stuff like that. When face-to-face -face stuff finished, a lot of organizations were impacted dramatically, uh, and they had to scramble to figure out how they were going to raise money to, to keep the organization going. Uh, and so for some of our business units, that, that translated directly into more work. Uh, so I didn't mention earlier, but we do media buying and strategy planning for uh, donor television. And uh, more people are sitting at home watching TV during the pandemic. And th that business unit really took off. A lot of our organizations suddenly were redirecting you know, marketing funds from walks to television. Uh, same with direct mail, much more direct mail. Um, and then if you break it down by, by sector, um, if you think about the food banks and the rescue missions, uh, they certainly had a, a huge uh, role to play in helping America over the last year and a half kind of uh, you know, deal, deal with uh, major issues for people. So they, they saw a real big uptick in, in charitable giving um, via direct mail and other channels, and we were there to help them do that. Um, and then certain other organizations suffered as well in different ways. So almost on a client-by-client -client basis uh, in, in our day-to-day -day work, we have to break it down and understand how can we use our products and services to best help them. Um, we're doing, here's just one quick example. It's almost like we're doing twice the work with predictive models now because we need to understand who are these who are these donors that are are new to the market, if you will. And if we build a, a predictive model using the more recent data, are we seeing the pandemic effect? Um, and if we if we build a model using data prior to the pandemic, is it different? So we're almost building two different solutions for each client to understand was that client impacted in a unique way by the pandemic. Or is it more of a business as usual? And the answer is different client to client. We, we are seeing major differences for some folks and not, not for others. Now, Doug, you know, we talked to some companies that during the, you know, the pandemic, digital transformation they focused on, and that was a big thing for them. And they're, they, that particular companies that we had on the podcast were able to help these businesses that didn't normally do that. Did you see that at more as well with predictive modeling? A lot of, like you said, a lot of these fund, fundraising uh, companies, nonprofit organizations, like, hey, we need to do something different. Uh, was it there? Was there some digital transformation involved? Was there some uh, more predictive modeling come up because of it? Yeah, I, I think so in a number of different ways. And uh, I think um, with the pandemic, I think there's a lot of new donors in the marketplace. A lot of them are younger. A lot of them are more likely to transact online. 
So they may have been impacted by an offline type of solicitation, something in direct mail. Um, but instead of filling out a reply device and mailing a check, they don't even know what checks are. They're going to go to the website and they're going to donate. Um, and then you, you got the classic kind of attribution types of issues. Uh, they're not going to put in the source code from a mail piece online. They're just going to make the donation. So we've been seeing an uptick in work and just understanding the cross-channel uh, communications and, and matchbacks and attribution mm -hmm. and trying to, to help make better decisions for organizations. Uh, how do all the channels work together? How does direct mail work with um, things they might be doing uh, in social media or in display advertising, or as I mentioned, in the donor TV uh, type of work? Um, so I, I, I don't think it's unique new things. I think it's a continuation of what we've been doing all along, which is just help people measure effectively and market efficiently uh, across all the channels. You know, during, during this time, I you know, admittedly didn't know a ton about a lot of the nonprofits out there that dealt with diversity. Uh, you know, I discovered all of these different organizations that help different causes, whether it's, you know, race related, uh, inclusivity. And that was eye opening to me, right, to see all these new nonprofits. But, you know, I'd love to hear more about some of that you guys are seeing at more as far as any of the nonprofits that, you know, you're, you're helping there. Um, and as, as well as, you know, how you're able, you know, how, how you're helping donors just in general understand those concepts. Yeah, sure. It's definitely a, a, a big topic, right? A big topic in the world uh, over the last few years as it should be. Uh, and, you know, as the data nerd, I, I always attack everything from the data side uh, and, and see how we can make a difference. But first and foremost, as an organization, you know, more we we are addressing it internally around how um, you know we address DEI. Um, but from a data perspective, uh, you know, a consumer database like Simio Cloud can can really help organizations understand as their missions are. Hey, we should we should understand the communities uh, for which we serve. Is our donor base match the community that we're serving or not? And what can we do differently? Um, so we have all the data down to the individual level um, to kind of break it down and build predictive models to help organizations get younger, find younger donors, to find the racial mix that they're looking for, um, all those types of things. We can, we can literally understand what are the proportions of different populations exist within their donor file and what can we do from a predictive modeling point of view to help them uh, uh, obtain certain goals uh, or just report on it uh, and, and give them more business intelligence around it, uh, all those types of, of kind of issues. Uh, and I also just think it's, it's interesting because it's kind of the foundation of what Simio Cloud was. You know, the, the traditional data company model was you get cooperative data, you get all the donors um, thrown into one pot from a bunch of different organizations and then you build models. Well, we started with the entire country. We started with licensed data on every adult American. And so our, our mission from day one was to find new and emerging donors. How can we both accumulate all of that donor transaction information, but layer it on top of uh, uh, every adult American 
and then identify people who are going to be aging into or lifestyle moving into the, the uh, kind of disposable income that they'll now donate um, and find those first time donors really quick um, so that we can get them onboarded to organizations quicker. So I view like I view the DEI kind of initiatives as just a different twist on that. We're helping organizations find new people in different ways than ha that hasn't been done before. The Moore DM consists of uh, quite a few companies all under the Moore umbrella. So how does that play into the data strategy for individual companies? Is are are you the point person for data across all of the companies within Moore? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we we help infuse data to the other organizations. So as agencies are planning strategy uh, for their clients, we can produce information for them, uh, business intelligence information, simple reporting around what is the the makeup of the donor file, what is the makeup of the prospects that that are most likely to respond, so that they can think about that from a creative point of view and a messaging point of view. Um, I think the future there is going to get really interesting where we can use more machine learning and AI to help actually uh, influence more of the creative process as we learn what types of messages people respond to and we build more data on that. Um, but I like the way you put it. I, I, I think Simulcloud Cloud is the point kind of data company um, to push data out to the rest of the organizations. And then ultimately, obviously, to, to the end user, the end organization. So if they wanna, if they wanna have their CRM file overlaid with you know, a bunch of uh, characteristics um, from our database, we can do that as well. And this is a little bit on the, more on the personal side and one of our staple questions. Uh, I'm sure with your title, you get a lot of unsolicited emails and LinkedIn messages that come your way. So what's an email that gets Doug to respond and what's one that really annoys you? Yeah. Uh, well, the one, the one that annoys me is like not, it's not new, right? It's, it's been showing up uh, on LinkedIn all the time. But when, when someone comes to me with claims of automated uh, turnkey, you can have it in an hour, you know, AI and machine learning uh, type of sales pitch. Um, that just like does a disservice to the difficulty that it, that kind of the whole process is. You, you gotta wrangle data, you gotta have the right data in place. Um, yeah, there's software packages that can turn out a, a predictive model really fast. Um, but the whole process to, to gather the right data, um, boil it into the right uh, type of scenario, consult with a client around what they're trying to do with that model, build the model, and then implement the model, um, that's always going to be much longer than an hour uh, time. So uh, I've, I've seen it before where I've um, my internal clients going back to some of my old jobs will well before where I'm at now, the, the marketer would say, hey, I see this software, this company that can do something in an hour. How come you and your team take, take you know, uh, a couple of days or, or two weeks to build a solution? Uh, and that's because they're, they're not seeing like the difficulty it is to wrangle data, build a process and do implementation. Um, so it's very effective in selling, but for someone who's been in the weeds doing very much applied kind of analytics, uh, it, it gets annoying that 
the, the topic of marketing to marketers is always a very interesting thing. Uh, and so that's what I do for a living. Uh, I'm often marketing my services to other people who are doing marketing, um, but it can get annoying when people oversimplify the process of what data science is all about. Yeah, that's definitely a new one because a lot of times, yeah, that, that's more of an in-depth in answer. A lot of times like, well, you need to get my name right. You need to you know, th think of the simple <laughs> yeah. things, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, uh, oh, I really care through this time. Well, really, I, I get, if you really cared, you would uh, have reached out to me months ago. It, it's, it's like that blanket yeah. message that I always, that I always hate. And so Doug, talk to me about now, this is one of those larger questions where it's like, all right, you've been involved in data at least what, 15 years, 20 years. How is it, what's changed the most you think on how companies are utilizing data, say from your days at Sears till, till now? Sure. Well, I think it, it's dramatically changed uh, many different industries and I'm not going to be the expert on, on other industries, but as an observer, Right. Well, first of all, thanks for giving me credit on only 10 to 15 years. Using data. <laughs> it's it's uh, closing in more like on 30 at this point. Uh, but, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, like I, I almost jokingly said, well, what the heck was I going to do with this applied st statistics degree? And it was kind of like the oil and gas industry, pharmaceutical and direct marketing. Those were like the three big predictive modeling areas. And you fast forward to today. And predictive analytics is like um, a part of every like industry. You know, it's Moneyball. It's it's professional sports. It's uh, you know, it, it's the algorithms that are underneath uh, Amazon and Netflix. Netflix and yeah. it's just all it's in every industry. And if it's not in an industry, um, then what are they doing? And why are they so far behind? So what's changed is the fact that data and the ability to collect data to be used in industry um, is now just ubiquitous. Uh, and what, like I said before, what we do in the marketing side, it's similar to what we did two and a half decades ago, or really even before I was on the scene, you know, four decades ago, it's just the level of sophistication and the algorithms are just so much more advanced now. Uh, so how you go about it is different. The technologies are different, um, but the, the business concept is still the same. I would imagine security of data has changed tremendously, right? I don't think, was that a huge worry? As you said it three decades ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, not so much, right? Uh, yeah. Like it was, it was hard, harder to break into mainframe systems back in the day. And it mm. seems like cyber attacks and everything else are certainly a major, uh, a, a major piece as is the privacy piece, um, you know, and, so of course, Simio Cloud is, you know, for example, registered with the state of California as a data broker for CCPA and stuff like that. Um, but the locking down of uh, personal information um, is an important piece. Uh, we always like to say this, uh, unlike credit card companies, uh, you know, we don't, we don't store sensitive data like credit cards or, or social security numbers or anything like that or HIPAA data. Um, we deal with marketing data. Yes, we have names and addresses, uh, but you know we lock the data down because it still is um, sensitive information on consumers, um, and it's 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 a non-starter for most organizations these days. If you don't have top-notch security, they won't work with you. 
No, exactly right. That's that comes up uh, quite a bit in in conversation. That's what we love about Stris that everything is here. It's our own platforms, it's our own sending. So yeah, we we totally get it. Uh, Doug, talk to me about and if you could give some I don't know if it's secrets or just some advice for other chief data officers out there listening. Uh, first of all, how does the data differentiate between all the business units there at Moore, and what's your advice for companies? like more that kind of just have different business units where there all needs to be a seamless one place, if you will, uh, or maybe it's not just one place uh, where the data sits and stores and how people could utilize it. Yeah, I, I, I think, well, on the first part of your question, um, the values in the data, uh, you know, I, this is a slight different answer to what your question is, but uh, you need to find different sources of data um, to, to solve the problems. Um, you know, algorithms these days, everyone's kind of using the same algorithms for the most part. Uh, I, I say it all the time, the algorithms are kind of more of a commodity. You know, if people say they have machine learning and AI, that's great. Everyone's kind of doing very similar things, but you get more juice and you solve the problem better by having unique data sources. And so, so finding companies like Starista and others to kind of pull together your data set and, and um, find where publicly available data is out there and piecing it all together to have, I would almost say like more chances to win. Putting more data into your algorithms uh, gives you more opportunity to find those predictive elements that are gonna solve the problem for you. Uh, so there is information that you can literally find that's free and publicly available. Um, you know, whether it's information at the geography level, the zip code level, you know, old census data, but newer information that you can aggregate and then information that you can layer on on top of individuals to make predictions. Uh, so the type of business problem that we try to solve, whether it's trying to find like a major donor, you need to find all kinds of interesting statistics that might be predictive, like literally how many garage doors do they have in their home? You know, that's probably pretty predictive of someone's uh, wealth and, and income. Uh, and so you need to have those raw elements flowing in uh, and understand what are the different types of products and solutions you're trying to solve for and then source the data in the right way. And if, you, if you've never lived the data, kind of like I have, and you're a chief data officer, you should definitely find someone as a uh, as the strong right hand that has lived in the data that can suss out, frankly, from the, the data sales point of view, what's real about the data and what's not real about the data. I think early on, Vincent, when we were talking, I was grilling you on, well, what is it really that stress does offer, right? <laughs> what is the data? Send me the data layout. I want to see it. Yeah, it's uh, and and that's one thing about and then we appreciate the kind words about Starista there, Doug. But yeah, that's one of the things is you know oh here here it is this is what we have right. You know I think we yeah. we uh, pride ourselves on just being honest company. Uh, you know our CEO there is is speaks out on you know many fraud uh, anti fraud uh, panels there and yeah you know you have to. It's there because security is such a big thing. Because look, there's there's other there's other data companies out there, right? Like you said, it's you know data is a commodity, right? There's it's it's out there, um, but I think it's the way that you present it, the way that you know it's just showing the kimono. Uh, I think honesty is the best way, transparency. 
Yes, yeah, Doug, like, like you, I like to get into the data side and it helps to have a background with the databases to actually see what it looks like, what it feels like. So kind of question for you is, is there, what does your tech stack look like? Is there preferred software that you use for database management as well as for analytics? Sure, yeah, we, we are using Snowflake today uh, in Microsoft Azure um, as the kind of like the, the core database. Um, we're, we're coding and building a lot of our own applications using Python uh, on, the, on the data science side to do our predictive analytics. Um, the Snowflake technology um, you know, is wonderful in, in terms of ingesting new data files getting those new data files into the table immediately and available for use within hours. Um, and, you know, and we're talking about, we're talking about moving, you know, millions of records around. Uh, and so it, it's, it's not like traditional data companies in that you got to load data into certain tables and then you got to have separate processes to sweep, to create kind of like a, a unified view of consumers. This is, this is the great example of what has changed in the last 15 years. Um, being able to ingest data quickly, put it in the table, and then as while that's happening, as we're building predictive models for the next client, all that data is now available and ready to go. Um, and it's being used in a matter of hours, if not a day or two. Uh, and it doesn't take you know a monthly update to, to, to use that information. So, we can act upon things so much quicker. And then in the direct marketing world, as, as people who do this for a living know, recency is king, right? Being able to act on a new transaction super quick uh, just gives you a leg up on, on, on the next person um, to make decisions. What, what you did last week is much more predictive about what you're going to do next week. And if you have to wait a month to, to see that data point, uh, you're missing out. Yeah, that, that, that's a very good point. I remember just five, 10 years ago when we were all using Microsoft SQL and you uploaded a large database, first thing you had to build was uh, the indexes, which would take a long time to do. Yes. And uh, most yes. of the new cloud databases, you just put it there and it's ready to query. So it's a yeah, massive, exactly. massive time save. Yeah, and we're, and we're working on, uh, this is where I would like to see the nonprofit industry go to uh, more quickly, because um, I think that the nonprofit industry lags the commercial sectors in this regard. Uh, I would like to see data flowing quicker than what what it is. Um, you know, getting getting files weekly or daily. Uh, you know, we can handle it, um, but there's still folks using legacy kind of systems and the data. It, with some of our uh, organizations that we work with, it's, it just doesn't go quick enough. I think that they will catch up. Uh, it's just a matter of time and resources on their end. And as the technologies become easier, and then we just continue to build more automation on our end. Uh, we, we receive a file. We've seen that file before from a client. And here's a process to just push a button and it's in and it's ready to go. And Doug, what advice do you give to students who might be looking to get into this field and what are some of the attributes you look for when you're hiring uh, in your department? Uh, definitely. So uh, I, I, I've interviewed and talked to literally thousands of, of uh, folks over the years with 
titles of analyst, statistician, data scientist, uh, being able to break down and communicate very effectively the technical terms, um, what you're doing, uh, and describe it without without talking about R squared or this, that, or the other technical statistical terms um, is something that I look for. Be, that, that kind of mix of data scientist and kind of business professional. Uh, not that everyone has to fall into that role, but there's such a need for that type of person uh, in, in the world today. Uh, and I see it all over the place. I've seen actually companies struggle because they have really good data scientists that don't understand the business application of what they're doing. And they try to do it by the book and they miss the mark for what the, the business person is trying to accomplish. And so being able to talk the talk, but also understand the business piece of it uh, puts you better on track. I've seen, I've seen uh, like applications fail because the data scientist was just much more religious about the textbook solution. And at the end of the day, sometimes you need to break statistical assumptions because it doesn't matter as long as the business outcome is correct. That's all that really matters. Uh, I, you know, no, one, no one's gonna pay you money for being correct uh, along the lines of a statistical textbook, um, but they are gonna pay you money if the, the, the business application is the right way. Um, so looking for people who understand that and who can translate that and communicate it well uh, is a very important thing today. And I think you do that very well as a chief data officer, right? You, I feel like you, I, you could go on business calls. You, you, you could be, uh, you know, pitching this and you could be on the sales calls with it. That's, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to say this about all, you know, chief data officers, but, you know, I, I've talked to some where, uh, it, they're not always as uh, get that savvy that you said, right? As far as the business terms, the marketing terms, sales terms, especially that all that language. So you're saying kind of be versatile in, in that sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I definitely, man, may, maybe this is probably an unfair answer I, I gave you, AJ, because that's what I've modeled my own career after, right? So I was in the weeds doing the analytics stuff, but I made a career out of being able to explain things. Uh, and Gretchen Littlefield has teased me uh, relentlessly lately about how I'm a good salesperson. And I, ne I never wanted to, to be in sales, but as kind of like leading the initiatives here, there is obviously a lot of sales aspects to what I do. Um, but I also loved visiting clients in all my prior roles uh, and prior companies and talking to clients about what they do and have felt very comfortable um, really like starting off and, and almost like interview style to the client. What are you trying to accomplish? You know, what's the information that you have today? What would a success look like for you? Mm -hmm. And then taking what I know about data and analytics and what we have available uh, and matching it to that problem. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's where kind of like it's, it's a technical sale, right? That's what it is. Uh, and, and if we don't have an off-the-shelf solution, then thinking quickly about how we could build a solution to help a client um, on the fly. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's a great skill to have. He, he is not our chief data officer by title, but we have Blaine Britton, uh, and he. I love bringing Blaine on calls because I, I do understand data and the aspects of it, and and. I think I do a good job of matching and the right partnerships together that way with Stristen and my client, which uh, 
I hope so. I've been in this business 20 years, but I always liked, I don't always get some of the nitty gritty of, of the data. You, AJ said stuff before about SQL and index. You lost me. I was, I, I, I fell asleep for three minutes, you know, uh, about that, but I, uh, but I know it's vital and it's important. And Blaine does that for us. So he has, uh, he has that uh, as well. So no, that's, it's a great quality to have. Doug, let's get into some personal stuff here. I, you know, I, um, I know this about you from talking to you. We've actually never met in person, you and I. So we're hopefully we'll change that in, in the future. Now that again, how we started the podcast, talking yeah. about things are opening up uh, again. But uh, for people who don't know this about you, you you're six six. You played basketball in college, uh, a darn good basketball player. So t- tell me about that. Uh, tell me what you, in, uh, your your days in, in in college there playing. Do you still play? What are some of your hobbies, interests uh, sure. out there? Sure. I wish I could still play basketball like I, in my mind I can, but the, the reality <laughs> is the knees and the back don't uh, allow for it anymore. Um, so yeah, I love, used to love to play and then being so tall, uh, got into playing volleyball as well. That, that, that was fun. Uh, love to play golf, which, uh, you know, when, when you're as tall as I am, there's a lot more moving parts to swing. So that can get <laughs> a little crazy too. Yeah. Ball can go everywhere. Um, and then, you know, like, from the competitive side and the number side, you know, I grew up in the Midwest playing, playing cards with family members on holidays and stuff like that. And then got into playing poker and, and uh, there's definitely a lot of math, a lot of psychology, uh, plus the, just the, the interaction, you know, being more left brain, like that's really helped like learning and understanding the psychology and how other people think. So I uh, love to play competitive poker and, and you, you talked about going, going, to, going to Vegas and looking forward to doing that again soon down, down the road and playing some more poker tournaments and uh, uh, getting back to the real world. And I'm, I'm getting on an airplane tomorrow for the first time myself uh, for, for business purposes. So looking forward to that too. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, I know it's not New York because you would have let me know. Uh, no, no but, but. it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, yeah, we got to bring Doug down to Vegas. We, we, I think we found, uh, it, you know, the, our, our next uh, person to come with us. That's awesome. You know? you know, it's funny you mentioned the height, Vincent, because uh, just in the last two, three weeks, I'm starting to actually meet people we have hired in the last year. And it's just kind of funny. Uh, you, you can't really tell height on Zoom. No, so people there's there's are, people where you think like, wow, this this yeah. person must be six eight, and you're like, oh, okay, five four, all right, that's fine. That's hey, you, you never know, five six. It's yeah, yeah. Well, that's the that's the surface level. We I, I I probably should have brought that up when we talked about the pandemic, right? We built this whole Simio Cloud company like pretty much during the pandemic. I think I'd only hired a few people before that. Uh, it's a whole new world out there from the business point of view, right? You're meeting for the first time people that you've hired and, and people that you've been working with. Um, it's, and keeping, keeping employees and everyone motivated uh, and together and that sense of togetherness on what a, a mission is behind a company, it's pretty challenging these days. Yeah, no, de- definitely. You know, but it seems like you know, companies are doing their best, at, the best they can to do that. And it is nice, as, as AJ said, how we started the, the again the podcast. We we're just seeing people. Uh, a few of us are getting together here in New York City this week just to meet 
uh, I'm, I'm, you know, meeting my, uh, in one of my interns for the first time. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, and then we're going out to San Antonio to get together to do some strategy for the rest of the year and, and next year. And just great to see people where I haven't seen, and, and I've only been with the company two years, but I haven't seen them in, in all this time. So, uh, yeah, this is great, Doug. I can't wait to meet you in person, sir. Thank you again for doing this and spending some time. And look, you know, a lot of nonprofit organizations listen to this podcast. We constantly talk about nonprofit organizations. AJ's heavily involved with some. My favorite nonprofit organization is St. Jude's. I, I am an avid uh, donor to St. Jude's. So, uh, and I know, so if you're listening, Simeo Cloud, more, reach out to Doug Kazmarek. Doug, this has been a pleasure. That's Doug Kazmarek, the Chief Data Officer of More. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. Can't get enough of him. See him next week as well. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thanks and have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.